we're just going to jump right in. There's a lot of weirdness in golf these days. You know, I they're mean, in some random state. Strange time. I know. Not the, that Wisconsin's a random state, but the it's Badger a little state. random Badger state. Did you find that it was a little strange that Wisconsin has never hosted a, a U.S. Open? But I guess they've hosted other major championships because isn't... Yeah, Kohler is where the well, uh, Wisconsin is, right? Kohler, the city, though, yeah. right? They call it Kohler. Kohler, Wisconsin. You can buy the name of the city yeah. now. Uh, I guess I found it odd initially, but then the more you think about it, it's like, why would the U.S. Open be in Wisconsin? <laughs> like, it's just not a very populous state, and so, it's never been a big golf state. I always think this, and you're, you're a guy who, you know, is very familiar with city planning and, and things like this. So my question is, I always thought it'd be tough for a venue like this to host, like, a U.S. Open because... The infrastructure just doesn't seem like it's there. Like, where are all these people, I don't these know. tens of thousands of people that are coming to this event, where are they going to stay? I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, they figured that out. But it, It'd be pretty dope if they had, like, fucking campsites. I was about to say. You, that, you, you make that the point. That actually would be kind of cool. I, I don't know if anybody else has suggested that, but it would be great. Uh, I mean, I'm, I think some of the corporate sponsor types would, although there's no ostensible corporate sponsorships at the u.s open but we all know that there are it'd be like so a, they might not want to stay in they might they want, might want to glamp it'd be like a really unshitty music festival exactly where instead of going to watch crappy ass bands you've never heard of that rely on light shows to keep you entertained you get to go watch kick-ass golf isn't that really a great idea dude why not why not we, we should just do free idea usga anybody who's listening to this podcast Campsites How, right on the right off the golf course. How would, great would that be? It would be like Woodstock, <laughs> with a very elite golf tournament. Which there's no tension between those ideas. That sounds wholly appetizing. You could to charge me. more money for yeah. the camp fee. It would be great. The glamping idea would really resonate, I think, with the golfing and the could, traveling golfing crowd. And you could have music shows at night. Yeah, get Bruce Springsteen. I mean, dude, Aaron Hills, you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. You can make as much noise as you want. Nobody's going to be, you know, you're not going to affect the agronomists. The, the, the turf out there is going to be fine. It can handle the noise. And it fits perfectly. You got the daytime event and you got the nighttime event. You can have um, some uh, EDM uh, stages. <laughs> it would be really, it would be fucking awesome. I know. So, like, as you all can tell, this is obviously the place to come for really educated, you know, well thought out golf opinions. Nobody can argue that that wouldn't be cooler. Dude, it'd be so cool. I mean, if you told me, it wouldn't even have to be necessarily the U.S. Open, but if somebody told me there was a golf tournament that I could go to and get like a three day camping pass to camp out, like, I would do it there where there's going to be like stuff going on. There's, you know, a couple places you could get food, maybe some places you could get drinks and just camp out with everybody. It'd be amazing. I'd be there in a heartbeat. It'd be so much fun. The biggest pain in the ass, I, I think everybody listening uh, who hasn't been scared off by the beginning of this podcast <laughs> would agree with me that the biggest pain in the ass about attending a golf tournament, I mean, yeah, you miss watching it on TV. Getting which in is and great. out and getting, getting in and yeah. out. Like I went to the U.S. Open in 2010 on Sunday at Pebble Beach. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you struggle to see things, so that's always going to be a problem. But then getting out of there was hell on earth you're the tournament's over graham mcdowell won he's a nice guy and stuff it was fine but you know nobody's exactly hopped up on on adrenaline or excitement mm-hmm. at that point and you're standing in these snaking circuitous you know human cattle organization queues and you're there for a long fucking time to get on a bus to go to another place and then to get on the highway that's crowded with traffic from the tournament it really is a disincentive to go. 
I can't tell you. I mean, the only tournaments I would consider going to nowadays are ones where I've got some kind of seat, uh, you know, from some corporate benefactor. Mm-hmm. Or one of these also-ran kind of tournaments where you can actually see the players. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's anyway, different. I think that we're, you know, you got to prevent people from, uh, you know, vandalizing the golf course and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know where people would camp, but... You know, a lot of these random new golf courses that people just plop down in the middle of some sand dunes somewhere, there's plenty of land on, you know, the neighboring cattle ranches that mm-hmm. you could just plop some tents on it and call it a Absolutely. day. And, I mean, dude, I mean, I mean, shit, there's so many acres out there that even on the golf course, I mean, I've never been to Aaron Hills. I assume you haven't been to Aaron Hills. Nobody, I've never been to Actually, no, one, no one's been there. <laughs> See, there's got to be room on that property. Like, so you know, don't you think, crazy. don't you think it is silly and funny that, the USGA has has made strides and overtures and efforts toward hosting some of these US Opens at new golf courses that are open to the public. And mm-hmm. this is one of them. And, you know, they were all hopped up after Beth Page and Tory and all that stuff. So, okay, that's what they're thinking. Meanwhile, <laughs> there are public courses <laughs> in resort destinations that nobody lives near. So who's actually been to these places? Almost no one. And it's great for them. And it's great for resort golf travelers, which are, you know, not necessarily rich people. You know, middle class people can travel to golf resort destinations like Bandon and and North Carolina. Well, maybe not North Carolina. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's not necessarily that elitist. But, you know, you have those honest to God stories of people who play Beth Page, who are not wealthy, and who do the camping and the whole thing—that's what people. That's what turned people on about that. Not to mention, yeah, it's kick ass. It's a public course that's within an hour drive or train trip for ten million people. Exactly, and that is not the same thing as a public course in some desolate dairy community, Wisconsin Cowtown. That's great, but uh, it's you know, public courses are not all created equal. Agreed. Well. So I bring this up to you. So the last time the USGA basically did this, where they really the only other time they've ever hosted a U.S. Open at a public track that is fairly new, it got desecrated. It Chambers was, Bay. It was bad golf course. So no, no, I mean, I that's no, my personal no, opinion. No, Kyle doesn't think no, that. No, because I have mixed feelings because I've never played Chambers Bay. I've never been there. Visually, it looks very beautiful. It and does. The it golf does. tournament wasn't great. I liked the train. And I, I don't want to get too off track here, but I remember when we were talking about this previously, you brought up something about Gary Player's reaction. Do you remember this at all? You have to remind me. So I, I, I was reminded by something I saw on Deadspin uh, a couple days ago where the title of something, the title of this article that I just had to click on was Gary Player is out here still roasting fools, <laughs> which, which just was more than enough to entice me to click on this and just find out what was going on. And essentially, they like brought up a clip of Gary Player when he was uh, as a correspondent at the 2015 U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. And Damon Hack of the Golf Channel asked him, Hi, Gary, how are you? That's all I said. And Gary Player proceeds to go on like a six-minute-long rant about how shitty Chambers Bay is. And it's like the worst. The quote was, the man that designed this golf course obviously had to have one leg shorter than the other. It's awful. <laughs> it's, it's, nope, co- yeah. it's completely awful, which... Again, I've never been there. I've met. Yeah, I've never met Robert Trent Jones Jr. I have had the pleasure of meeting uh, Jay Blasey, who was his project manager. He was a really nice guy, and from everything else I've seen, he seems pretty good at what he does. But you know, 
Gary Player obviously thought Chambers Bay was a fucking terrible golf course, and he was very unapologetic about. It's like this golf course sucks. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I not heard... going to apologize. It's a terrible golf course that shouldn't be hosting this golf tournament. It was a really, <laughs> I mean, what can I say? It's all been said before. So, but get this. Uh, but but I mean, it was bad from so many different levels. Like, the, the, it was not great. The course was uninspiring. Uh, there was that weird shit with the the par on the 15th hole. That's completely, you know, the the, uh, the greens, of course, which were the most maligned. Yeah. But then even more importantly, like the greens, okay, that might just be a fuck up. Like you could have a, a, a brilliantly designed course and the greens happen to be in bad shape one year and okay, it's a shame, but that, that shouldn't tar the golf course forever. Right. Uh, but it was more than that. Like it was, first of all, the boring kind of tracking and design. But second of all, the fact that tougher respect, fans, for, it was, that's exactly what I was going to say. That it, fans didn't enjoy themselves because they had to climb over fucking mountains and hills and dales, and people were slipping and injuring themselves. Like, I mean, it was a lawyer's dream, <laughs> uh, a personal injury lawyer's dream. Like, if you've got if you slip and fall in the grocery store, imagine what you could do on these. <laughs> slippery grasses <laughs> that they forced you to walk through at Chambers Bay. There were terrible vantage points and there were uncomfortable physical exertions for golf fans, many of whom, you know, are not necessarily spry the and in most their youth. athletic people? Yeah, they, they might be older people who may or may not have worked sedentary jobs. So I, I don't want to bury the lead too much, but you have to listen to this because it is just so good. So recently, uh, Golf Digest did an article where they asked Robert Trent Jones Jr., I'm about sure what he thought about players' comments. Yeah. and uh, It's amazing he, how this is still a story. He had this to say. Gary Player wasn't playing in the tournament. I think Gary Player, as we all know him, is kind of a showboater. For whatever reason, he chose to make those comments. Well, let me tell you, Gary Player was not about to let that shit just stand and just leave it at that. Of course not. Gary Player... He's the last word guy. <laughs> Gary Player... Issued a fucking full page long statement. Is it on letterhead? Oh yeah. It's on Gary Player letterhead with a title. What is the Gary Player logo on the letterhead? The Gary Player logo is just him. Oh my like, god, it is the logo. It, the actual it's got Gary the Player crest. logo. And it has an actual title saying, Let Sleeping Dogs Lie. That's amazing. This is absolutely incredible. Can I just read you a couple of uh passages yeah, from this i didn't know this existed this is so great this statement that gary it's like player the longest response i ever saw in the world dude <laughs> so gary player uh, i'm you know I'm, I'm jumping in here a little bit uh the comments made two years ago about chambers bay no doubt were justified <laughs> i certainly was not the only one who spoke out about the design or condition of the course rory mcelroy henrik stenson billy horschel sergio garcia and many others express expressed their distaste for the course and how it was presented. It was no secret. The players and fans were unhappy with the setup, condition, and inability to walk the golf course as a spectator. I wasn't at Chambers Bay that year randomly. I was invited to celebrate the anniversary of my career Grand Slam victory, <laughs> I love which this. I completed 50 years earlier at the U.S. Open. Oh, this is great. The only other golfers in this club are Gene Sarazen, Ben Hogan, oh, is... Jack Nicklaus, and Tiger Woods. I mean, this is amazing. For the record, this is where it gets juicy. I never even knew Robert Trent Jones was at Sunningdale attending the Senior Open, nor why would he have any reason to attend. And during the Olympics in Rio, I approached him directly to try to bury the hatchet. In front of many witnesses, 
He made a big scene and later apologized. That's great. Of course, this was accepted by me, and I thought we had all moved on. Clearly, he has not and chose to blatantly lie to Golf Digest about what happened. What a great letter. Whilst he seems to be suffering from either amnesia or senility, oh my God. <laughs> or senileness, I do wish he would come to peace with what happened during the U.S. Open and just get on with his life. Oh, it man. really is time to move on. Enough is enough. I am not responsible for what happened to Chambers Bay. We all make mistakes <laughs> and simply have to accept the consequences and learn from them. That is that is a fucking harsh burn. Throwing it down. I mean, you can't. That is a thorough ass kicking. <laughs> that is a thorough ass kicking. I gotta uh, say, you know, it was so good. I, Gary like, Player, I, have, I have to share this with you. That was that was amazing. You know, I am the first one to agree that Gary Player is a showboat. I mean, that that but, letter doesn't necessarily disprove any of the showboating claims. No, but Gary it's, Player but, is, but it's awesome. Gary Player is a total showboat, <laughs> and he's a hundred percent right in that letter. When a showboat happens to be totally in the driver's seat, <laughs> that's the kind of letter you get. It's a, just a complete ass kicking. Yeah, Gary Player. Yeah, I mean, Gary Player is like if Donald Trump had the truth behind him. <laughs> <laughs> and he were arguing something. He would he would crank out a letter like that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be just a complete <laughs> thorough ass kicking and 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 deconstruction. Uh, if Donald Trump had the truth behind him, he would be just the world's most most ruthless assassin. But he just may not have it all the right. time. But uh, no, that letter, uh, fantastic. And there were several parts that were also quasi juicy that were cut out of that as well. I oh, mean, it, yeah, it's, it's I mean, pretty that, good. That was solid. Okay, that. So before you go on, before you on. Don't we have to interview, somebody has to, uh, Gary Player's lawyer or secretary or whoever is his personal assistant because they have some stories. Who gave him the thumbs up to just publish that bitch? Not even about the letter. They've got stories to tell. Fuck yeah, they do. Gary Player's personal assistant (laughs) or, or agent or whoever, anybody, once he dies... If they can tell the, the floodgates are opening, it's going to be so fucking funny. The, the stories of what he, they were told and what they were asked to do. I mean, that is that is the interview. That's the book. It's a solid book. It would be a great book. One that I would absolutely pay top dollar for and then read. I, I really would. Well, so the reason I bring this up a little bit is obviously to transition as the last U.S. Open that was held at a new, you know, a new golf course rightly got roasted this one won't be the same i don't think it will be because obviously they're you know here's the thing robert trent jones jr has never designed anything that any pro would ever say anything nice about he robert trent jones jr has basically made his living off designing golf courses in housing developments yeah yeah you know he's not a guy that's well known for building beautiful stout well-regarded championship golf courses that's not what he does it's as if talent doesn't uh get transmitted across generations automatically <laughs> oh, which is precisely right so so that all being said this new course aaron hills was designed by uh michael hurdston dana fry and then ron witten who's actually been the guy who's more or less been in charge of the golf architecture um portion of golf digest for the last 30 plus years i mean he, he's the guy who has basically single-handedly created the rubric that golf digest uses to evaluate golf courses and he was a, one of the three co-designers of this golf course. Um, so right off the way, I think that, I only say that because I think it gives the course a little bit more of an air of credibility before anybody starts playing on it versus Robert Trent Jones Jr. 
that people are more willing to give these guys the benefit of the doubt over yeah, Junior, I should I'm, say. I'm, I'm, I bet they are, but really it just— It also bo- looks like a better golf it course. It looks like a better golf course. That's exactly what I was going to say. You just if Unless you get the chance to play it, the best way to evaluate the quality of the course is to look at it. And I've, I've watched some of the Golf Channel stuff, and I've read some articles in the lead-up to this. It does seem kind of like one of these relatively soulless kind of big golf courses. Um, it, it it doesn't entirely. It does look fail to remind me large. It doesn't fail to remind me of of Whistling Straits a little bit, which is a course that I do not like. Mm-hmm. But I think it's better than that. It seems like it has fewer gimmicks. It seems a little bit more pure. Sure. I know the players are a little bit. Um, wary of some of the holes, but in general, I think their comments have been positive. Yeah, I, from what I've heard so far, the um, it has been relatively positive. Right. Um, so I, I think the best thing for us to do is, you know, you and I, at least lately, obviously we always have some incredibly sage, you know, gambling advice to offer to oh, our listeners. No. However, again, I think the we? best thing to do would just be to go over I very can't quickly. Do it anymore. No, we're just going to quickly go through the golf course. Sure. Um, so, Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg, who I've had on the podcast before, nice guy. He's actually on site, and he published a little article yesterday just giving his thoughts and observations on the golf course. So I figured we'd just kind of go through some of his observations and then see if we can use some of those to figure out what we think is going to happen in this U.S. Open. All right. You know, just, just relatively quickly. So Good idea. The first thing he came up with is flexibility. And so one thing he noticed is that this golf course has enormous greens, so the variation in where they can place the pin is going to be huge, meaning that there's going to be different angles every single day. And that same goes for tee boxes. Um, obviously, it's really long, but there's a large variety of tee boxes on every hole that change the angle and length. So really, one hole could be playing drastically different day-to-day throughout the tournament. So flexibility is going to be a big thing. It's a good observation. For this golf tournament. Uh, second thing is the wind. There's hardly any trees out there, so wind could play a large factor and the forecast is mixed, right? From the last thing that I heard, it's supposed there are possible thunderstorms predicted Great. Thursday through Saturday. Wonderful. <laughs> Mon- Monday finishes blow. <laughs> this is why you don't put courses in Wisconsin. However, I did hear this, and this is I I have not verified this, so this is me completely talking out of my ass. Beautiful. I have heard that if there is at least a four hour delay on Thursday, that Phil can make it. Really. If there's is he allowed to just jump back in? I don't know. I think maybe he has may, again, I haven't verified this. Maybe he has signed up and is, is planning on playing, but if he can't make it by Thursday, he just withdraws, maybe? I don't know. I well, who cares? Yeah. Anyway. So wind but wind is going to be I mean it'd be nice deal. to see Phil. He's exciting. Well, that that's a brings up that little uh little fun fact that I shared with you right before we started that I asked you to remi- remind me. If Phil doesn't play in this championship, do you know when the last year was where neither Tiger or Phil were present for the U.S. Open? I, this is a total guess, but I'd say 1994. You're a smart fucking man. <laughs> that is that, that. But I mean, do you think that 94, that's what, 23 years ago that neither Tiger or Phil were playing in a U.S. Open? That's, the last that... time either of them won a U.S. Open was 2008. <laughs> This and is also a good point. Never won one. <laughs> never won one. Uh, but anyway, so getting back to uh, Andy's at the fried eggs list, uh, the wind, direction, and strength could be a, a big factor out there. 
Um, he's saying that, you know, in this case, players who can avoid downwind and downhill putts will be well served. Uh, the next thing is the natural ground movement. This is like a people the that are fuck? a little too far never up their own of, butt with never like heard golf of that one in my so life. So one aspect of Aaron Hills that won't transfer well to photos and video is the immense scale and natural land movement that the property possesses. Is he just talking about slope? I think he's just talking about slope where if you're looking at, if you find a picture of this golf course, okay. there's just massive undulations, yeah. false fronts, crowning sure. of greens. It's just, you know, there are a lot of really slick angles yeah. and slopes that guys are going to have to navigate while they're out there. Okay. I think that's awesome. I, Mostly from an aesthetic standpoint, I think it's awesome. But, you know, hopefully it'll translate well to TV as well. Sure. I think that's good. Um, funneling shots and the ground game. Is it a Lynx course? It's not. It's not a Lynx course. It's it's not as wide, but uh, his little uh, a couple words that he wrote on this portion is, many of the green surrounds have areas that will funnel shots towards the green and also repel them from far away. If a player finds trouble off the tee and loses the ability to control the spin of their approach shot, many holes will offer a unique recovery option mm-hmm. where players can play a shot short and use the land to run the ball up and still escape with a birdie opportunity. However, he says the one other big takeaway that he noticed from this is, in general, missing long is almost always catastrophic. Like, it's not good. Many of the greens are uh, perched and have steep fall-offs on the back, and so a shot that ends okay. up just one or two yards long might end up being 30 yards over the green. All right. So so what kind of player do we think is going to be able to handle these attributes? Well, that's – that's so this is the next little thing that he said. Which is, this is the part that I actually had highlighted when I printed out the article and read it, and that is uneven lies. Okay? It says, The fairways at Aaron Hills are sculpted from the natural land, which will result in a lot of uneven lies. And this is one of the great subtle tests that the course will offer, and it's going to play into the hands of the best iron players, is, is what his estimate is. And so his advice is he would look to who plays the best at courses like Augusta, Kapalua, and Memorial, mm-hmm. and where they really you know, there's a premium on second-shot golf courses. After walking the, the course all day this past Sunday, that was his best uh, assessment of how he's going to evaluate who's going to play well this weekend. And honestly, that was the exact thought that was in my head based yeah. on those other factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that came into my head was Augusta. Yeah. Except for the wind. Uh, the rest of it seems analogous. It, you know, massive slopes, um, you know, the recovery ability for certain kind of pitch shots around the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the difference would be that Augusta is highly studyable. It's the most studyable golf course they play. Absolutely. Um, and, and this has a randomness element to it. You honestly, you, Augusta stereotypically favors veterans, but you could see this maybe favoring veterans even more, or not necessarily veterans, but veterans or younger players who have sort of natural understanding of golf. Mm-hmm. And so I think the X factor is how much of a role distance is going to play. Hmm. Can a medium distance hitter win this tournament? Because the person who leaps to mind that checks all the boxes for a course like this is Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. And That's exactly what I was thinking as well. And the question is whether he hits it long enough. So uh, just... Obviously, since I've never been there, I'm just relying on Andy from the Friday's knowledge on this. But he says that don't judge it by the by the distance, 
and that's going to play much shorter than the yardage says because the fairways are firm and fast, and so there's going to be a lot of rollout. So he says really the thing about it is despite the long distance, a lot of the big hitters may actually not be taking driver off the tees because a lot of strategically placed fairway bunkers that are right there. They'll still be hitting five iron into holes that guys are hitting hybrid into, right? Yeah, I would think so. But it, it seems to me that from some of the stuff that I've been reading is that there's a lot of really treacherous, really penalizing fairway bunkers that have all been set up between 300 to 350 yards away from the tee, which may incentivize guys to all kind of be hitting similar 280-yard shots off tees, leaving people, you know. I mean, that, that, that makes it a little bit better. But it's only it, that's half of the distance advantage, right? Because those long hitters, like you just said, the long hitters will still be hitting five iron, four iron into greens, where some guys will be hitting hybrids, right? So, so I mean, you think of Jordan Spieth, for instance, in his hybrid game, it's it's on point. Mm-hmm. I think he's had a hybrid in the bag, it's but, quite good. Um, so I don't think that would be a problem. He's the one who leaps to mind. Then you think of a few other guys who might fit the bill. What the thing is when he said that Sergio Garcia, maybe could be now even though he said to look to players who play well at augusta kapalua and memorial obviously being a rational golf fan i just said fuck off with kapalua memorial who plays good at augusta kapalua right right they're not good golf courses but it's like memorial i would count kapalua is a weird thing like that's just kind of an aberration well but obviously the first thought to me was speed yeah, I mean that 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 that's clear because obviously he's won at Kapalua recently, and he's you know obviously been very competitive at Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good off the uneven lies. Yeah, he's very very good. Mm-hmm. Another guy who I don't know why he leaps to mind. I don't even know if he's in the field to tell you the truth, <laughs> although he probably is. Is like, and this is a totally random thought, but someone like Lee Westwood maybe. But I don't see why he's going to win the U.S. So Open. Lee Westwood. So Lee Westwood's biggest problem has always been the flat stick, right? Mm-hmm. And. I've read that the greens, let's see if I can find something on the greens here. All right, the green complexes. Generally speaking, um, the green complexes at this Aaron Hills course are huge, um, which allows you know officials to dramatically alter a whole strategy with different pin positions, yada, yada, yada. Uh, these Make, greens are very subtle and reward great shots with good-looking putts and putts that don't contain a lot of break. A, that's about iron play. Yeah. So essentially, if you hit a good shot, there's not... It's not like Augusta where there's just diabolical breaks no matter where you go. There are right. certain spots that you can get to where you're going to have a pretty fair, easily readable, not too crazy putt. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to these longer putts, too, um, I, I don't know about Westwood, but lag putting wise, that's, I mean, that's the Spieth mm-hmm. special right there. Yeah. I mean, there might be no better lag putter. Well, all right. So let, let's uh, just, although I don't know if his stats have eroded this year, I'm a little bit out of. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Let, let's just stat. jump in. This. I, I think Spieth is, of all the. The top guys, based on some of the stuff that we've just been, you know, reading, I think Jordan Spieth is the logical pick of all like the big guns out there. And and saw what he did at Chambers Bay, and he might have been in better form then, but he goes to one of these random courses that nobody's ever played, mm-hmm. and he navigates it, and he yeah. beats all the veterans. So um, another person who always plays well at Augusta, it seems like he. I mean, I certainly would never bet on this guy to win. Are you talking about Bubba Watson? No, Paul Casey. Yeah, sure. Paul Casey always seems to play pretty good at Augusta. He does. He's a good iron player. You know, he it's he, he seems like he might be a, uh, a yeah. decent I, a I, decent top ten bet. I don't know what his form is like, but I would I totally subscribe to the school of thought that if you are a good Augusta player, 
and a good win player, mm-hmm. then and all these guys pretty much are good win yeah. players. I mean, they're all all professionals have to be. They're but, all professional golfers, right? Um, but you know, if you if you're a good uh, Augusta player and you've got a pretty solid short game, good lag putting, those that seems like the combo. Yeah, I was trying to think of other guys that would fit the bill, and I was having a hard time. Well, uh, I, do, I do have one guy that I'm really looking forward to I watching. St- Stenson's never been that strong at Augusta. Well, I do know uh, Kevin Kisner's been playing pretty good lately, and he's he, kind of a good iron player. A, that, he's a go-low type. Um, but you know who I really, really want to see win this thing? Who is incredibly long off the tee. He's just an incredible iron player, and he's come really close in majors before. Is your and my boy. Are you talking about it? Uh, Oh no! Is it Mark Leishman? I want Mark Leishman to fucking win this oh, thing. Oh my god! I I want the leash. I want it. Is you want to go? You want to go off leash? <laughs> you want I, leash to go I, off? I want. I, I want to get leashed. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> well, I mean, we all want Mark Leishman to win. All, you know, the Grand all the Slam. Time. The yeah, Grand all, Slam all the time. I, I don't want, know why, I but want I Mark do. Mark Leishman to win <laughs> indefinitely. That, that would be great. <laughs> that would be yeah. What about Ustazen? Ustazen, if he was great at Chambers Bay, he was a great Masters player. If he's playing well, I think Mark, or I think Louis. Mark Ustazen. Mark Ustazen. I think Louis, if he's playing well, like if he's playing up to his own high standard, I think he has a great chance to win. He's exactly the kind of guy I would expect to do well to play like this. Who are the fuckers who've been hot on tour lately? Let's go into that. Dan Berger won last week at the FedEx St. Jude. Forget about that. He's never won anywhere except that one golf tournament. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Kevin Kisner did win. Kisner is really, he definitely has the talent to win a major. Because I'm trying to think. He won the Valero. Is that right? He won the. Yeah, but he got to win this year. Um, What about Martin Keimer? I was thinking about Martin Keimer. He won the U.S. Open at a setup similar to this Aaron Hills where there's really. Well,. No. Crown, crowned greens yeah. with a lot of, you know, short, you know, really cut tight fairway around all the different well, when greens. when I saw Martin long. Keimer, yeah. I mean, Martin Keimer's obviously a really, really, really good iron player. Mm-hmm. Um, but his short game can kind of, it's super hot or cold, isn't it? Like, I remember, I think he won the Players' Championship a few a few years ago. And I think that he just, and, and it's Bermuda, and it's not the same. But I think he just started putting everything. Mm-hmm. When he was within like 20 yards of a green, it was kind of surreal, some of the shots that he shows. And it was very, very smart. It reflected a lot of intelligence, but it didn't reflect a guy who necessarily had the most confidence in his chipping. Sure. Sure. That makes perfect, perfect sense. Now, And I don't know if that he's ever, that he's ever done well at Augusta. <laughs> I'm looking here to see who has been playing well lately, because obviously I watch a ton of golf. Um, you know, Jason Duffner won the Memorial. Duffner's a great iron player, but uh, Kevin Kisner won the Dean and DeLuca, whatever you want to call. Uh, Billy Horschel won at the Byron Nelson. Siwoo Kim won the players. What about guys who are in really? like, what are, what about guys who are in the top 20 of the world who have been in a lot of top tens lately? They've just, well, top tens, I'm not a hundred percent sure of, but I just know that those guys in the top 10 have not been winning golf tournaments lately. I mean, the last really recognizable name to win a tournament is fucking Sergio at the Masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, unless you count Duffner. Has, how has Sergio been, do we know, since the Masters? Not outstanding. I think he was okay at the players, right? You know... He I mean, aced the fucking 17th hole. Obviously, Ricky's been playing good this year. How about that Sergio hole-in-one, by the way? 
Yeah, how about that? Was that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I got to say. It was pretty pretty like, dope. Like a hole where he's he's eaten more shit than he's probably <laughs> eaten on any, any other hole and he's eaten a lot of shit <laughs> and he just jars it with a spin back shot <laughs> on the most memorable par 3. Uh, I mean, uh, that was that was really very a nice impressive. dick slap uh victory lap kind of moment for him. It was very very impressive. If you had to pick one of the top guys to, to put a little scratch on for this tournament of of the big boys, is there one that stands out to you as one that you might be more Jordan Spieth? I yeah. like rooting for the guy. I think I he's the, the horse for the course. Uh, I think you're right. You know, I just get turned on when I look at his face. <laughs> so that is one of the reasons. Dustin Johnson's back could still be. Is that true? Augusta E. Barkey. He fucked it up that badly. I, I have no idea. I'm just saying that well, he hasn't been playing nearly as well. I mean, he did come very, very close to winning the Wells Fargo on his like his first tournament back, but I haven't heard a lot. Um, yeah, I, I, you can never rule him out. I don't. He, he just doesn't seem like he has enough momentum, but he is the defending he, champion. He can so always, you know, you got you got to give him. Dustin Johnson should always be in the top five to ten of yeah. who you're considering to win any golf tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Unless he's wearing socks <laughs> the night before. Speed, uh, speed well, will be my pick as well. I, I'm going for speed. You know. You usually make a big error not picking Spieth to win a tournament. That's mm-hmm. historically been the case. Even though he hasn't won a major in a while, he's still solid, yeah. solid performance. Yeah, I agree. Any other thoughts on this U.S. Open before we uh, we head into the weekend? Well, you know, uh, no. Uh, should we talk about Tiger? I think we should take a few moments to talk about very briefly our favorite golfer in the entire world. I haven't even watch the video or anything because i just don't want to be bummed out i i I unfortunately and not intentionally saw a little bit of it and it just i bet it's super depressing right really bummed me and i'm sure most of our listeners saw it because they couldn't resist i could resist i don't want to see that i don't watch the beheading videos i don't watch the suicide videos i don't watch the tiger woods (laughs) police dash cam video no uh so it's very sad Although, you know, I guess it's not that different than what a lot of these other off-season incredibly rich athletes do who can yeah. never face any consequences in life <laughs> that would be deterring them from doing this. <laughs> you know, I guess he could have driven and, and killed somebody, but even that he probably would have found a way to weasel out of. So, Did I get this right that he wasn't driving? They found him parked on the side of the road sleeping? We all know he was driving, though. The car had a bunch of flat tires and damage. Did it? Oh, yeah. Oh. It had two flat tires and a bunch of bunch of bumper damage. That's the last I read about it. This is news to me. I didn't hear those details. And he blew a double zero because he was probably... This is total speculation. This is my, my opinion that's based on nothing. He was probably, you know, mixing Xanax and, and sleeping pills and, and painkillers. Unfortunately, so, I read a couple details saying... And again, I don't know... I didn't see how verified or you know what what the the source was but i remember reading something somewhere a couple of days ago um that read that they found xanax in his system that'll do it so that'll do it i mean i heard i read some of the quotes from the uh the video and what he said to police it's a guy who is blacked the fuck out who would talk like that and something that'll do that to you painkillers usually i i would guess would just knock you out they wouldn't make you have like a walking blackout like that uh a drug with a reputation for that besides now that you say that our president might actually be on xanax every day i you know the, the <laughs> weird thing about the president is that i think he is really uh straight edge yeah I, he doesn't I'm, even drink he doesn't drink he drinks that's diet. his first problem he doesn't drink and he doesn't smoke and he doesn't do drugs 
Um, How can you fucking trust? I don't a think man he like smokes that? cigars or anything. I also, I'm not even sure that he drink. I, I don't know if he drinks coffee. I think f- he he drinks diet coke, so he'll he'll Jesus. have caffeine. What but a fucking weenie. It is interesting. He's like the Mitt Romney of uh, guys who have a bunch of wives and fuck <laughs> a bunch of women behind their wives' backs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, w- women have historically been his his. Well, wife. speaking of having and sex with women behind their wives' backs, let's get back to Tiger real quick. Exactly. Uh, it's a shame. Um, it's it's very interesting how he lost no sponsors. It really goes to show how under the radar he is to begin with. Like, it, you you have to imagine a weird scenario where Tiger has the same sponsors, and he's on tour, and maybe he's got some top fives, or he won a tournament, and he does the exact same thing, and he actually loses sponsors because the story gets even more attention. Uh, but since he's totally injured and out of it, it's like, oh, you know, he's injured. You know, it's he can he can drive uh, impaired. How much sympathy and, do you think he has because he's had all these major back surgeries that there's so many Americans that are hmm? like crippled on pain meds that they see that he's on Xanax to deal with his like back pain. They're like, yeah, that just happens. I don't happens. think a lot of them are sympathetic to a guy with hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> um, <laughs> for his, you know, addiction problems. And who's to say that he's addicted? I, I don't know that that's the case, but... We all know. Oh well, I mean, who's to say? I mean, this this car was damaged very badly, and I, that couldn't happen every night. But typically, when these you know impaired drivers get caught, it's it's far from the first time that they've done it. Mm-hmm. So it it probably this is speculation again. This is all speculation, but it's probably you know a pattern that that has taken root. And who's to say that any of us wouldn't react in a similar way? I mean, the guy fell pretty fucking far. It's got to be tough to take. And I bet he's bored Yeah, more than anything. It's just like he's living kind of a domesticated life. He's not able to go kick anybody's ass. Uh, Do you think you know, he's at least, you know, getting a stab on a little bit down in, Ju- down in Florida? I don't know. Do you think he's getting frisky? I don't know. It'd be good for him. I don't know. I mean, I, I think that the reason he probably chased women a lot was because back when he was doing it he was he was kind of awe-inspiring to these women yeah you know he was he was one of the biggest celebrities in the world he still is but he's kind of laughed at and it's it's, it's not it's that just he's so it's sad it's a very like somebody sad. who literally idolizes the man me too for you know as, as a childhood idol it's heartbreaking and if you don't mind putting your uh your legal hat on for a second. What is the legality of these police department releasing all these videos and details about everything? Is this is this normal? Police records are generally public records. Okay. And a lot of people do make the observation that you know mug shots and these videos and police reports, uh, you know, they're not proof of anything necessarily. I mean, they're they're proof of what they show mm-hmm. to the extent that they're reliable, like videos and, and mug shots, but. You know, if you're arrested for something, it doesn't mean you did anything. Uh, so a lot of people say, well, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a barbaric Middle Ages kind of public shaming uh, aspect to law enforcement that we have these kinds of things. So that's one argument. And you do see that made by sophisticated people in criminal justice reform. But the, the counter argument to that and the argument for why they release these things is because if they didn't, if there were some sort of standard where they could refuse to release it, mm-hmm. that it could be a, a dangerous concept if 
the government ever decided to arrest people for nothing. So if, if the government just decides to institute, you know, crackdown on, on protesters or Mm. political dissidents and you can't get an arrest record and you can't get a video of when they were arrested, if there is one and you can't get their mugshot, then the government could start denying that people are in custody and the government can start denying that, um, that are an arrest happened a certain way or we're on certain grounds. So the idea For the is sake that of transparency, you've got to have sunlight. You have to have the sunlight on what the police do okay. just in case we ever get to a point where they try to abuse their power. That's okay. the, that's the rationale. That makes sense. So it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I know I was, I was talking about how just bummed out I was about this whole tiger thing. Um, actually, I didn't get the chance to tell you. I was actually out. I had the privilege of playing Sonoma Golf Club. Did you? Beautiful Yesterday. Golf I, I was invited by uh, our friend Brad Quince, former you know guest on this podcast. Might be who, the finest golf course in the county. It's very possibly the finest golf course in the county. He, his uh, his buddy, Corey, works out there, so they invited me out to go play yesterday. And we were talking about Tiger a little bit, and the question was posed. You know, if you could sleep with <laughs> Paulina Gretzky or Elon Nordengrin, Right now, who would it be? I haven't seen Elon in years. I heard she looks good, but my question, regardless of what Elon looks like, would obviously be Elon because the thought of being Eskimo brothers with Tiger Woods supersedes any kind of benefit I could get from Paulina Gretzky. And well, I mean, it's the great one's daughter. Yeah, I know. yeah. Wayne Gretzky was a better. He's the great hey, one. She is the next female great one. Yeah, but it's I mean, just Tiger's. But it's just Tiger's wife. Not that Wayne Gretzky ever slept with his daughter. Now, I mean, we're not accusing him the, of that. The one but. thing I am saying, though, if I slept with Paulina Gretzky, there is still no guarantee that I wouldn't be Eskimo Brothers with Tiger Woods as well. You know, I've never heard this phrase. I don't talk to these straight guys the way you do. Eskimo Brothers, if you have sex with the same woman, you're an Eskimo brother. That's a weird phrase. It sounds racist. Um, but, you know, I, I don't abide it. But, uh, the uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh you got to be Eskimo brothers with Tiger. It's it, it's uh, that would be like something I'd put on a resume. Well, I don't know. There's something to be said for the <laughs> the Gretzky name and the daughter aspect. And here's another weird thing. It's hard yes. to say, but you know, some people, many people, say that Tiger Woods is the greatest golfer of all time. There's a completely legitimate debate that can be had. We could have a whole podcast about that sure. one day. There's only really two right answers to the question. It's either is Tiger there, or Jack Nicklaus. Well, we could have the we could do the podcast. We'll have to do the podcast, but I mean, like, it's tough to say that you couldn't include Ben Hogan in that list. That's a good point. But Ben Hogan has a, has a has a place in that discussion. This is actually a good idea for a podcast. We should we should, we should do this at some we point. We should we should. We'll actually so, put some research into that one. So there's three choices at the, <laughs> at the most, but um, in hockey there is one choice. There is yeah. the best player ever, and there's no argument. That's a good point. And and not only is there no argument. Well, some fucks would probably say Gordie Howe no, or some weird no, they, shit like nobody that. Nobody says that. Okay. You be, I don't follow enough hockey you gotta to know whether or not. got to be insane. <laughs> it's the great one. <laughs> not the great one of, of many. And his records are just so far and away better than everybody else's. There's no no comparison in, in any sport that I can think of. That's so great. Well, uh, everybody, enjoy the U.S. Open. Yeah, everybody, thank you very much. Um, you know, this is going to be a really fun tournament. Um, I'm looking forward to watching as much of it as I can. I'm sure you're going to do the same as well. Yep. Um, before we get out of here, I would like to remind all of you, five-star reviews. iTunes, go do it. Look at look how fucking prepared we are for these kinds of things, bringing you just 
Gary Player Goodness. Th- that was prior good, to the U.S. Open. That I mean, was great content. Five star reviews. That's all we're asking. Is that too much? Is that too much to ask? I mean, it's one click. Literally one fucking click. I'm, Think I'm of not... what else you click for. <laughs> you click to to make now one that of the he spam... says that I don't want to know what you click on. But well, not, not even that. I mean, that has a purpose. It's, it's a single click. That's all we're asking. You you have your email. You click on an email from uh, fucking Priceline dot com just so it's not counted in the unread messages. If you're willing to make that click, you should be willing to make the five star click. For us. Uh, that is a good point. And also, don't forget to visit golfguide.net. New website is up. Really cool. I mean, you, you took a look at it. I mean, it's still uh, in the final beta beta you know, testing stage. It has but... robust search features that are in development and are currently online and are very, very nice. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have a pretty kick-ass little way to search for whatever golf course you want. Visit golfguide.net. You can also save 20 to as much as 70% off Greens fees at uh, you know dozens of courses across Northern California. There's a laziness and the surrounds. There's a laziness tax out there. Mm-hmm. If you are lazy, too lazy to go on Golf Guide, uh, too lazy to do whatever the case may be, you are going to pay more money. <laughs> Fact, not fiction. So on that note, save yourself some money. Do yourself a favor. You know, be so unlazy that you're able to click on a mouse you once print, or twice. You print out the fucking coupons. You go to the golf course. Save you, you money. Hand it, you hand it to golf. the guy, and that's as simple as that. Five star reviews. And they save make a money great, on golf. And they make a fantastic gift. Yeah, actually, and the new on the new website, you can actually give gift cards. So if you know somebody that likes golf, you go to Golf Guide, click on the store. You say, Hey, I want to send Casey fifty dollars of Golf Guide credit. All you got to do is enter his email address. Boop, hit send, and all of a sudden, $50 of credit in the Golf Guide store is sitting right there for him in his email inbox. That is a great gift. You know, one of my favorite old jokes that I'm stealing from somebody and that's been repeated a thousand times <laughs> about gift cards. It's a gr- it's great. Uh, a gift card is a way to give somebody money that used to be good everywhere, and now it's only good in one place. <laughs> uh, that is a fine, fine point. And by the way, if you do that on Golf Guide, not only is it locked into one place, it's locked into our pockets. So we're really very thankful for that as well. I mean, obviously, that's <laughs> the point of it. But you do get to play wonderful <laughs> golf courses for discounted rates. So you should be doing that. Dude, I saw we had a featured course this week. Have you ever heard of the Ridge up in Auburn? I love the Ridge. Um, that's part of the reason that I want to, um, nobody from my work hopefully is listening to this, I may want to move to Sacramento because that has one of the best club memberships mm-hmm. uh, for the quality of course and instruction and practice facility and it's in right all next, of California. And it's right next to Knee Deep Brewing, which is one of the finest microbreweries in the state. At the Ridge, at golfguide.net right now, normally for a weekend, 69 bucks for green fee and a cart. That's not bad at all. That's a really, really good deal. And a cart. If you go to golfguide.net, that's $33. That is... Anytime, uh, really. 18-hole green fee and a cart. I do love that golf course. And it's a high-caliber championship course. I yeah. think they've hosted LPGA events uh, the and long, qualifiers. The Long and... Strug Challenge or something like that was there for a couple of years. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a serious, great golf course. So. I really think that's a great golf course. You should take advantage of mm-hmm. that. So golfguide.net. It's even was, worth a drive. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, Sacramento, low-key golf mecca. Like 50 golf courses within an hour's like Bing, 50 golf courses within an hour's drive of the Capitol building. Bing Maloney, Ansel <laughs> Hoffman, Arcade Creek. Uh Many, many courses with which to choose from. And actually, one of the upcoming podcasts we're going to do, I don't know if it'll be next week, um, but in the newest edition of Golf Guide Magazine, I have labored over an article that uh, it took me playing a lot of golf and drinking a lot of beer to produce an article about the five best 
golf destinations on the West Coast for beer lovers. And so we are going to be doing an extensive, possibly two-part podcast on this coming up. Did you have to do a up. pivot table in Excel to figure out the answer <laughs> to this? A lot of spreadsheets, a lot of sorting. There you go. Um, yeah, this, this is serious business. So I'm excited for us to do that podcast together. And actually, when we do do that... Are we going to um, have the beer? I'm going to have a lot of the beer that look is going to be in the article to make sure we're here. that's the way I can judge these things. Absolutely. So Smart we'll man. be doing that. Look for that sometime in the next month. But until then... Thank you, everybody. We will be back soon. We appreciate your listenership. And if you have any comments or you want to reach out to us or you want us to cover anything, at uh, golfguide underscore on Instagram and Twitter, I think. And then just find Golf Guide on Facebook. You know, if you really want to get hold of us, it's not difficult. U.S. Open. All right. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the tournament.